So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. feeling positive today. Are you, David? You are positive today. I'm feeling positive just out of your positivity. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> Maybe because the sun your... is shining. Yeah. Maybe I just back. Allie and I were ten to, or eight days, I guess, out in Colorado. Well, that'll do it, yeah, too. There. You know, but yeah, we actually have sun today for the first time in, I don't know how many days uh, here. Uh, yeah, yeah. A long, wet, rainy, dreary spell. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we did when we were out there, we visited with friends. We had a wonderful time. Just, you know, you got to love Colorado. Oh, yeah. I'm just gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but we also went, one day, went one afternoon, went to the movies, and we saw that new Mr. Rogers movie with Tom yeah. Hanks. Have you seen it? I have not. I saw the documentary yeah. uh, on Mr. Rogers. I have not seen the Tom Hanks movie. I'll tell you what. It, I was on the brink of tears, just on the edge of tears for about half the movie. Wow. It moved me very deeply. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks did such a great job of really just inhabiting that character. Mm-hmm. And you know, the gentleness of his demeanor. He could look at the camera and just, mm-hmm. it was brilliant. Yeah. I highly recommend the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's that is so great. I think um, people who go to that, from what I hear, expecting it to be a biopic, yeah, you know, yeah. Mister Rogers, that that is not no. the movie. It no. is a, kind of a different, yeah, no. from a different it, angle. It, it, sure, exactly. You know, Mister Rogers isn't even the main character. In the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, he's almost a, you know a savior figure, but uh, oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, well, I I would love to see that. The last movie I saw uh, last weekend was um, Knives Out. Oh, I've heard great things. I haven't. (laughs) So good. Did you love it? I really liked it. It's like it's like Clue meets uh, Murder She Wrote. Uh You know, uh meets uh, something. Uh, It's just this screwed up family, which is always fun Uh and uh, dark humor. You know, if you're if you're not able to accept some dark humor, it's you know maybe not your thing. But but really very very well done, and uh, you just don't know what happens until the end yeah you know right, so right, right. don't don't leave early um okay. yeah it's very it's very cool and then the other movie i saw uh about uh a weekend before that was bombshell uh about oh did the, you yeah, uh, yeah. megan kelly megan uh, kelly the whole yeah, yeah the whole the, ordeal with that which all was the drama around the yeah, you know, the Fox thing yeah. but um but yeah i love it well that's great and by the way uh, it seems like i saw um Maybe a uh, 
an image, a shadowy image of a grandchild <laughs> on the way. <laughs> you did. You saw the, um, you know, the ultrasound, the ultrasound of my next grandson, um, who will be here in May. Uh, little Jackson is, uh, is still in the oven. He's got a little while longer to go. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, uh, my daughter sent the big pictures, and of course, as we all do now, they're posted all over Facebook. And <laughs> and you know, I, I I saw the image, and it and it really does sort of look like an ink blot test. Yeah, yeah, right now. Right. I looked at, it, I said that looks exactly like David. <laughs> That's right. Well, I told her it looked. He looked like Patrick. <laughs> so I said these boys just uh, you know it's a striking resemblance yeah. they have to each other. Uh, but yeah, so we're we're already passing along the shadowy, blurry images of a little profile yeah. of a little guy who's going to be here in May. And um, so we're we're just making room for one more. And uh, it's it's amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Man, life just rolls along, doesn't it? David? Boy, it does. It does. And you it, never know what's coming around the next corner. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, is, it is amazing. And um, we can waste a lot of time trying to anticipate, mm. uh, trying to, uh, you know, control what's going to be around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, try to brace ourselves for something awful that we imagine or set right. unrealistic ex- expectations for. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. You can, you can take it either way, but regardless, it is going to be what it is. Yeah. yeah. You know, and well, we have a guest today mm-hmm. who has encountered some ups and downs on yes. her life's journey. Yes. And has, uh, accumulated a lot of wisdom in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very wise and enlightened. And I don't use that word lightly. Um, just a really, uh, beautiful heart and, um, and a generous soul. Yeah. And I'm real anxious to get, uh, to talk with her today. And we'll be back in just a moment with our guest, Mara Giovanni here on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Once again, you have worked that network magic of yours, David, and you have found a fascinating <laughs> guest for today. I ha- well, I have, um, and the guest sort of found me. She didn't know it, okay? But uh, she is speaking at my church right now for a, a few weeks, I think, uh, on a very hard subject that we'll talk about later. But uh-huh. um, she uh, is a friend of two of my good friends. And she's in recovery. She's a social worker. She has a very unique, um, uh, uh, actually, a therapy for uh, martial recovery, martial arts that we're it's, going to talk about. Uh, so, yeah, without I've me got, telling I've got, you, I've gotten all a taste, the, David. I, <laughs> yes, I this saw. Is, this. this is wild. <laughs> I'm loving it. And you got to be the uh, the initiator of the uh, yeah. the batons, the 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 fighting sticks. Yeah, yeah, that we're yeah. going to talk about it. In a I'm fresh little off bit a too. fighting stick session. Yes, I know. I've got pictures. <laughs> okay. So we're going to post those. So Mara uh, Giovanni is Mara Giovanni is with us. So Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Thank you so much Mara. for uh, having me come in this morning. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Uh, the unlikeliest of martial artists. I, I wouldn't I have pegged you as somebody who might be 
uh, skilled in the uh, art of Korean stick fighting. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look dangerous at all. <laughs> Isn't that something? And for a while, I had a martial arts studio in Connecticut. Wow. And my last name was Kim. So okay. people would come in expecting to meet Master Kim. Oh, okay. And then they saw five foot three me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, wow. So can you give us a little backstory? How is it that, uh, you know, what uh, if you can describe for us in 5,000 words or less the long and winding road that brought you to where you are today in this recovery work? Ah, well, I am in recovery myself. Mm -hmm. Eight years in January. Uh, right after the new year. So you can imagine what my new year must have been like about eight years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had, um, I wasn't one of the alcoholics who had a drink at 14 and mm -hmm. immediately felt that relief and then started drinking alcoholically. I used alcohol for most of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, but I really was self-medicating with it. It yeah. was, I don't have any memories of college passing out or those kinds of things. But every time I had to go into a social situation, mm -hmm. I really relied on having a drink or two beforehand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I even remember during my divorce when I was just like in my 40s, not using mm -hmm. alcohol in a way that was, you know, out of control. Mm -hmm. But something happened when I hit about 45. Yeah. It put, and you know, the, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they have in the big book that some of the women really pick up steam uh -huh. near the end. Yeah. That was me. I was a steam picker-upper. Uh -huh. uh -huh. I drank like I gave birth. Like, seriously, like it was from uh -huh. beginning to end, it was five hours. But let me tell you, it was bumpy, and there was a lot and a lot of rash on my knees yeah, from yeah, falling. Yeah. 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 Wow. So it picked up. And so things weren't really working in my uh, old home state of Connecticut, and I got a great idea. I would move. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Take the geographic. Oh, yeah, geographic. And to honky-tonk land. <laughs> <laughs> I'd come for a visit. I had decided I'm going to find a place that I could, that would fit me better. See, because since the beginning of my life, things didn't quite make sense to me. I always felt mm -hmm. a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I couldn't really figure out what people wanted from me. So I was always trying to figure out if I could figure out what you wanted me to say mm -hmm. and then give it back to you, you would like me. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and yeah. I had figured out it was Connecticut. That was it. Mm -hmm. That's why I couldn't fit. I didn't have the skills to figure out how to fit. But I came around looking at all these different towns and I came to Nashville and I went to the honky tonks and I thought, heaven, yeah, I yeah. will fit here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Music. Uh-huh. And dance dancing and partying and yeah, uh yeah. this would be the answer. And also I had a uh, a son who was very gifted mm. uh, musician. Mm. He was a violinist, a classical violinist. Oh wow. And um he was actually when he was age 4, he had said to me I want a violin. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> And I tried to get that idea out of his mind. It was impossible. And by the time he was six years old, he was playing live with Shania Twain. You can wow. see him on some of her videos. He was an extraordinarily talented violinist. So I could incorporate that in my geographic. Mm -hmm. Sure. We were going to come to Fiddle Land. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it would be wonderful for him. So the music. And I decompensated pretty quickly once I got here. The drinking mm -hmm. took on that kind of more and more shaking, drinking in the morning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was thinking the other day, there was... A, a liquor store over there on West End that was close to my house and I would once I've had that drink in me I get that phenomenon of craving you know yeah, and yeah, I'd sure. be running out of alcohol and I'd run down to that store and 
get my vodka, which yeah. is very typical. Mm -hmm. And I remember needing it so badly, I couldn't drive the mile home. I would do this really brilliant move. I would lay in the back of my car, open the vodka, and try and slug some down, and hopefully the bottle nobody would see in the parking lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I started drinking in a way that was really, the obsession to drink was, had taken over my life, yeah. night yeah. and day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so what got you into the rooms? What woke you up? Was there a crisis? Was there, uh... There was a friendly a, face. What happened? Well, my kids went away to school, and mm. then the drinking. I became a swimmer of vodka. That's what I did. Uh -huh. I was, if I wasn't getting it in my mouth, I was spilling it on me. So uh -huh. I was like a, a walking flame. And uh, at one point, my kids had tried to intercede, uh -huh. and they came home at uh, that Christmas after they had both been gone to school. And I was going to keep it together. You know, yeah. I was going to make this the best Christmas ever. And I wound up getting verbally abusive to my kids and kicking yeah. them out of the house um, after a big drinking binge. Mm. And I remember the look of my daughter's eyes mm -hmm. when I closed the door on her. Mm -hmm. And that was my moment of clarity. Yeah. Yeah. I can still remember that today. I can feel it in my bones. I still get those chills. Yeah. On that moment, I think in, in recovery when, or before recovery, mm -hmm. where we can see the truth of what's happening to us, where the denials cut through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And my kids asked me to go to treatment, mm -hmm. and I did. Yeah. I wow. wound up going to treatment. Why do you think you said yes? I really do. I think there's a, there's a moment where spirit just kicks through. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. it's that moment of clarity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was raucous and difficult. My son sat there and waited until all the screaming and all the life had gotten out of me, and he said, you need to go, and I said yes. Wow. But it was that moment of clarity, I think, mm -hmm. seeing the pain of my daughter's eyes. I always wanted to be the best parent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how do you move from a goal like that into that kind of behavior? Yeah. To get yeah. lost down that. So yeah. I went yeah. to treatment and I uh, made a decision to do everything that they asked me to do. Mm. And I went to a place that started me off on meditation and some Eastern philosophy within the 12 step paradigm. Sure. Mm -hmm. It was really wonderful. And when I got back to home, I had kind of bought in a house in a bit of a blackout. I couldn't really even remember where I lived. Wow. And I remember calling the treatment center and asking for them for my address. I had so soaked my brain with alcohol, I no longer had a, uh, an ability to discern mm -hmm. the truth from the false. I didn't even know where I lived. And I didn't have any connections here because I went away to treatment. And I went into a room of a 12-step program and I was shaking. Yeah. And I announced to the group, knowing in meetings, you don't just stand up and announce something. And I said, I think I'm having an emotional relapse. And I was shaking and shaking. Mm -hmm. And uh, a gentleman came up to me after, and he said, do you have a sponsor? And I said, I'm going to get one tomorrow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he said, I think that might be a little late. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to introduce you to somebody. Mm -hmm. And he took my hands, and he put them in the hands of this four-foot-nine 87-year-old woman named Van, mm -hmm. who had these blue shining lights of love coming, just these eyes that mm. I could see the quality of something about her. Yeah. And she said, what do you need? Mm. And I said, will you be my sponsor? Mm -hmm. Now, you have to picture this. I had acrylic nails. I don't know where I got them, half off. Mm -hmm. The gray had been coming through. I can't tell you the last time I showered. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And she took my hands and she said this to me, you are a beautiful creation of God. Wow. Put on this earth to do something magnificent. I won't shame you. I won't abandon you. I will help you every step of the way if you're willing to take 12 steps with me. Yeah. And she had me. First, I looked around to see if she was talking to somebody else. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For some reason, I believed her. Yeah. And that outpouring of love, that reflection of something, seeing something divine in me that yeah. she was going to unwrap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, there was no one else who really wanted to hang around with me. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so that became the journey to healing through the 12 steps. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. That's, that's beautiful. How many years was it before you began to see the opportunity and the necessity of service for others as part of your recovery? Day two with oh, really? Van. Uh, she had the most interesting way of whenever I complained, mm -hmm. it became a service project. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, so what are you going to do about it? Kind yeah, of let's a, do it. And it uh -huh. was not, she had a different way. Like sometimes um, she had a loving way of communicating strong boundaries. Mm -hmm. So she would, she would say, wow, I understand. I hear that. You, when you get to meetings, you don't feel people are talking to you. Why don't we set up greeters? I think you'd make a wonderful one. Oh, really? Uh -huh. So she would turn, turn me into greeting. When I didn't have anything to do on a Saturday night, I was like, man, I have nothing to do on Saturday night. Seriously, when you get sober, there's a lot of free time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, you got to <laughs> fill in. And she said, sounds like a wonderful time to start a meeting. Why don't we put a meeting together? Mm. Um, she was near the end of her. She had moved here from Gainesville, and she was kind of at the end, and she was looking to pass along what she had learned. Mm. Yeah. And she started teaching me how to start a meeting and what you need to do it. So we started a couple of meetings together. Mm -hmm. So right off the bat, she had me acting Beautiful. in service, Beautiful. which really became a template for my life over the last eight years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. So paint for us how some of that uh, unfolded for you. You find yourself integrating. You, you had already some martial arts training, martial arts skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, how long did it take for you to see a connection between that philosophy and that discipline and what you were learning and doing in recovery? I think when the, the trauma piece came to play into my story. Okay. Mm. And uh, what was so interesting is Van, not schooled in it, had said to me, due to some early sexual abuse in my mm -hmm. story, that there's some trauma work that needs to be done. Wow. And when I started to look more and delve more into the research around mm -hmm. trauma in the body. Um, Basil van der Kolk's book, mm -hmm. Body Keeps mm -hmm. the Score, and uh, Stephen Borges, some of his work in the polyvagal theory. Um, it started, the pieces started to come together, but didn't right away, because mm -hmm. I was still in the early part of healing my own mm -hmm. trauma and learning what that was all about. Getting, I uh, was lucky enough to be able to participate in some psychodrama, mm. which nice. really had some relief from my body. And then started to see as I got better and better how that really the traditional martial arts, how it can be even looked at moving as moving meditation, those forms that mm -hmm. we do. It's, mm -hmm. it's like yoga, but you don't have to get on the ground and kind of go <laughs> curl yourself up. How breath awareness uh -huh. can be such an important part of soothing the system. Mm -hmm. And so as I returned to health and started getting involved in my martial arts again, I started to see how the two could be linked. Mm -hmm. And also with um, getting very involved with, at the time it was against the stream, but now it's Wild Heart Meditation Center, mm -hmm. 
how to incorporate meditation into the movements mm-hmm. yeah. and how all of that kit had assisted me so much in my recovery mm-hmm. of the body. Right. Right. Cause, uh, you know, Richard Rohr talks about it that like, um, the steps kind of help the heart. We need to like kind of heal the head, the heart and the body. Right. Yeah. And the steps put us in right relationship, mm-hmm. which is like an amazing thing. And that prayer and meditation, Mm -hmm. help to get our heads right, Mm -hmm. you know, and how really an active meditation practice is such a gift, but sometimes, you know, in the rooms, we're not told how to start a practice that we can, because it's a little uncomfortable to meditate if you haven't. And then Richard Rohr talks about that last piece of getting the body, the trauma, healing the body. Mm -hmm. So as I was getting more and more well and continuing to do my work, I was trying to figure out the intersections of all of these and how I could maybe be, make available for others that which I was so lucky to have found in that meeting that day with that blue-eyed woman mm-hmm. who told me you need to address the trauma mm-hmm. and who was so supportive of me with my meditation practice. Mm-hmm. So how can I share those things that have been so critical and what I believe to have been a really great foundation mm-hmm. for my own recovery and which was so necessary for when life dealt me some blows I didn't expect. Talk to us about those. I had um, my son, who I'd spoken about Mm -hmm. earlier, uh, had such a level of brilliance. And he also was struggling with um, bipolar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he showed some markers early in life, and I'd taken him to doctors. But when he went away to college and he was still in that place where he could find his own balance, he wasn't that open to the idea of staying connected to doctors. Mm-hmm. And he decided he could manage that all on his own. And he started to deteriorate. I could see it. Mm-hmm. And oh my, thank God for a sponsor who had a good Al-Anon background, mm-hmm. helping me to know how to speak to my son as mm-hmm. I could see him um, really starting to disintegrate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I knew that at some point he would probably end up in psychotic or run out of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that would be the opportunity for him to get some help. And that happened. He became psychotic. Mm. And after he had treatment, he was visiting his father. He came to live with me. And it was, I was astonished by how my son had presented. He was still on medication, Mm -hmm. somewhat psychotic. And the suffering that he had. Yeah. um, Was off the charts. Yeah. As a mother. And I still was so hopeful that this would be the point where he would get some help mm-hmm. and get some medication and that he'd fully be able to live the promise that he showed so early in life. And so we had doctors and medita- medication and all kinds of help and he was staying with me and he was really having a difficult time with the depression. Mm-hmm. And unbeknownst to me, he had ordered poison from Mexico. Oh, wow. He has, he was a brilliant young man. He had figured out a way to do it. And after staying with me for those, for quite a few months, he went to visit his father with my daughter. And he decided to die by suicide the second night he was there. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, while I was there with him and knowing that he had suicidal ideation, sitting with him and with all the medications that he had, tranquilizers, sleeping pills, Mm -hmm. even had amphetamines in the house. Mm -hmm. That even during the suffering of that, 
the training that I had through my meditative practice, which was to allow feelings to arise and fall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the community I found at AA, I did not feel the desire to drink or use. And after my son died, mm-hmm. those medications were still in my house, and I did not find the desire to use. And after all that, I could not believe how lucky I was to have found recovery. Yeah. And that recovery allowed me to be present for my son on his walk home to his creator, that I yeah. was able to sit with him and love him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that Ahe had taught me I'm not in charge and yeah. that mm-hmm. I couldn't control all that. Mm-hmm. So as that wrapped up a couple years ago, then came the, the, the idea of how do I give back best community? How do I reconnect to community, first of all? Mm-hmm. The first year, I couldn't really do much of anything. Sure. It was just about how to... Come out of the fog of that. Talk about the grief, if you don't mind. It is like, it was the most, I can tell you, it was cellular to the very ounce of my existence, Mm -hmm. screaming Mm -hmm. from the inside out. That's what Mm -hmm. it felt like. And these screams would come in waves that would be paralyzing and almost nonstop. Mm -hmm. And then I would get relief from it only to re-remember that my son had died. Yeah. And that he had died suffering so, Mm -hmm. in such a difficult way. And on top of that is the stigma of suicide. Sure. That yeah. people don't really lean in towards you right. when right. they know your story. In fact, the idea is so painful for some people, you can almost see them recoil when they mm-hmm. see you. Yeah. And that sense of grief and isolation. See, grief is so isolating. And oh, then you yeah. put the whole suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you feel even first, further isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the added stigma of mental illness to go Oh, with of course of that. Sure, yeah. And the confusion. And then my daughter, having found my son, having her traumatized. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that was quite an overwhelming, overwhelming thing. And I really didn't know the way back. I think, like, talk about powerlessness. Like, grief, mother grief has to put me in a place that made powerless over alcohol seem minuscule. Mm -hmm. Wow. I was powerless over that. Mm -hmm. That feeling of part of me had died myself and how do you continue and how do you be loving Mm -hmm. and find energy yeah when so necessary when so necessary for my own other child sure 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 yeah but there was a parable you want to hear my parable oh yeah yeah Yeah, it's the mustard seed Mm -hmm. but the buddhist one Mm -hmm. okay in buddhist psychology there was this story that i kept mulling around in my head it was about this young woman whose son had baby had died and she was walking around villages with her deceased son in her arms and it's been days and days and going from house to house and people to people I need medicine to bring my son back to life I need medicine to bring my son back to life and I understood that wandering Mm -hmm. I walked with my dog and I walked I couldn't sit Mm -hmm. I couldn't go anywhere so all I could do was walk yeah so I understand that wandering around and finally someone said you got to talk to the Buddha right because he Mm -hmm. was like the grand Mm -hmm wise man at the time and she went to see him and he didn't sit her down and give her a, a, a talk about impermanence that we all that life arises and falls mm-hmm. he said i will help you but you need to bring me a mustard seed from a house in our community where no one has died she said okay i'm, I'm on this and she brings she's still holding clutching her dead child and she went from house to house and what she heard in each house is there are more people that have died here than had lived oh wow 
right? And that power of walking around and understanding that very thing that was isolating her was the thing that would connect her to the whole community. Mm. Because this is oh. a thing we all experience. There you go. Yeah. That was the thing that came through to me, and that was when I had uh, decided that it was time to start a grief group. I looked around, and I couldn't find one that wasn't too heavy on the religion because I had been mm -hmm. a little angry at my higher power. Mm -hmm. So Bearing the Unbearable was written by a Zen um, practitioner, and it's a beautiful book. Mm. And that's how I met the friends that we have in con yeah. common, Cindy yeah. and Cindy. I started a grief group. Yeah. And I remember Cynthia. This was the moment I started to heal. I mentioned my son and how he died, and she was sitting next to me, and her eyes softened, and she leaned forward towards me. Yeah. And in that moment of connection, I understood that those are the things, this grief is something that can connect us, mm -hmm. and it can break us open to love wider, mm -hmm. and that's what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But, but you're right, grief is so isolating, and we all feel so alone in it because there is always that point, I think, regardless of how we lose a loved one, there's always that point where people go back to what we would call their normal life, mm -hmm. and they wonder at some point when you're going to get back to yours. Or you, we feel that possible uh, pressure that, um, okay, when are you going to take the next step into whatever? And I, I also, I didn't lose anyone to this kind of a tragedy, but uh, in the loss of my wife, um, mm. felt very much like um, I was supposed to be somewhere on the grid by a certain time. You know, mm -hmm. and and if I wasn't, maybe I was behind on the on the grief meter program or something. And it just felt like um, people people went back to work and they went back to life and they checked on me here and there. But I'm imagining you're getting around people and doing OK. Right. But you never found a grief group, David. I did not. But I did have a lot of people in my recovery circles at that time that I connected with. There you go. Because I, what I also learned was that grief, recovery work is grief work anyway. You know? Oh, totally. I've been beautiful. learning yeah. how to grieve even in my own um, recovery. Yes. Not maybe in the same way, of course, but it was a grief. Um, the loss of something, the loss of myself, um, the rediscovery of myself. But then I thought, well, then life's not going to look the same. It never will. Um, so normal left the building somewhere uh, with Trisha. So we're going to create new normals and mm -hmm. buy into new integrated ways of being. And, and that's going to be part of the story, but it's not going to be all of the story, right. you know? And you're so right about that sense of where people go back mm -hmm. and you're still in that place. Mm -hmm. And that feels so isolating. In a yeah. moment you feel like everybody's with you. And then the, the silence of the missing. Mm-hmm continues and echoes really mm -hmm. yeah yeah totally uh, go ahead Nick um, before we sat down for this conversation we had a little pre-conversation here Rex was uh, around the table and you did a couple of things that unnerved me first of all you took your <laughs> shoes off <laughs> Uh, why did you take your shoes off? What's well, martial about? artists typically are barefoot. Okay, okay. So, and there's this sense of 
Um, you know, balance is important, especially because I had some Filipino sticks. I was going to. Yeah, the yeah. next thing you did was you reached into this benign looking <laughs> mom bag and you pulled out. <laughs> Total mom bag. That's my beach bag. Yeah. You pulled out these fighting sticks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. And then uh, you invited me uh, to dance with these things. Yeah. How did you like it? I. Loved Isn't it. Isn't it great? That's my that's my dessert. That's how I hook people into my recovery martial arts. So there is this amazing kind of this body connection. There is this somatic thing. It, it's wonderful and weird. Yeah. Um, so I can tell you that I've kind of put together this program that okay. is really recovery martial arts that's informed by neuroscience mm -hmm. and surrounded and infused with meditation okay. for how to soothe the body and really some of it, maybe just anxiety or grief, but even some underlying trauma to help resolve some of that. And yeah. the one that I've just recently shown this to a group of therapists and they were very enthusiastic about it is this idea of with the sticks, you do these exercises with another person mm -hmm. and that left, right stimulates yeah. bilaterally yeah. the brain. Um, as some of us, trauma that lives in the body isn't necessarily the story of the trauma. It's really the biology of the trauma. It's energy that hasn't moved through the system. Yes. So when you take this ability to, like with EMDR, stimulate both sides of the brain at mm -hmm. the same time creating a vibration through the body, it really helps move some of the energy yeah. quickly. It, yeah, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Just so that our listeners can maybe uh, catch a glimpse of how this feels. These are bamboo sticks. Are they bamboo? Oh, I hope I don't have any idea, but let me they're kind pretend of I just gave a really smart answer to that. Yeah. I'm not sure what they're made out of. Yeah. yeah. They're a particular kind of stick that they use for the Filipino yeah, sticks. Yeah, but when one strikes another, there is this vibration. It vibrates, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and although it seems combative, you're learning like strikes, you're working cooperatively yeah. at the same mm -hmm. time. But as your sticks hit, there's a vibration that moves through the body mm -hmm. yeah. that is very powerful. And also there's a metronomic effect with it. Like mm -hmm. most of these healing rituals we have done in tribe times had drums or some kind yes. of. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's also, if you notice, we were going in time the whole time. It's we giving were. this sense of um, reliability yep. mm -hmm. and safety. Yes. As though there's a sense. So when you're using these sticks, there is a little acceleration of the body, mm -hmm. but there also is a sense of being safe in the container. And there's a, there is a sense of connectedness. Mm -hmm. I felt connected to you as we were doing that. Uh, you were very much, you led uh, the pace of the rhythm. Um, but yeah, so there was, there was connection, but at the same time, I felt uh, some personal... Uh, Mastery. I was doing something I hadn't done before, mm -hmm. and being somewhat competent as a beginner. And so there was. It's yeah. easily accessible. Right. Mm -hmm. And very self rewarding. Yeah. I've really, like, I brought them in kind of confident you would like it. Everybody really likes sticks. Mm -hmm. And there's a real sense of accomplishment in it. Yeah. There's also a sense of social engagement, like yeah. you're working with somebody. And there's also um, kind of. This feeling after, did you feel something a little after we stopped I the sticks? I did, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm a guy in recovery and still connecting to my feelings, so I'm not sure exactly what I felt, except I would put it on the positive side of the meter. Mm -hmm. it felt, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I could, f there was a, 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 
a mental component to it, but also a physical sensation that I mm -hmm. can feel go right down through my body. Mm -hmm. And healing from trauma, there's this sense of noticing sensations, being reconnected to the body. Yeah. And also what we do with the sticks is we can move energy up, the feeling of energy up, which I did with you. We start slow and then move it up and okay. then we bring it back down again. Nice. Which helps people learn how to inhabit their bodies again, the sensations of the rising and the falling. In trauma treatment, we need to feel that we can go through the whole energy cycle and then come back to calm again. And it's also very similar to drumming. I think it kind of produces alpha waves. It kind of mm -hmm. moves those kind of brain waves pretty quickly to that spiritual side. Mm -hmm. So it's really a wonderful um, part of the recovery martial arts and really helps people come back. Yeah. It helps yeah. people stick with it. Well, that's really, yeah, I was fascinated because when you start talking about, like you were saying, Nate, the left and the right mm -hmm. uh, uh, concept, the, the EMDR, neurofeedback, all of that is using left and right um, stimulation, right? The bilateral stimulation. Yeah, right. exactly. And um, and and I was even listening, uh, you know, because I was taking your pictures when you were. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> when you were doing that, but uh, but the but the rhythm, even the even the hearing, the audio, the audible part of yeah, it, yeah. like you're saying, the drumming, it creates a soundtrack to the moment that I think that if I were experiencing that, would even add to the. You know, I think this is a popular misconception about recovery. I thought coming into recovery that this is purely a mental thing. Mm -hmm. I need to correct my thinking. Mm -hmm. It's all conceptual. Recovery is going to happen from the neck up. Right. Yeah. But recovery really certainly involves a new way of thinking. But uh, I am an embodied spirit. I've got, I'm a, yeah, so it's body, mind, and spirit. And there is a there are physical dimensions to my recovery. Mm -hmm. And I love this integrated approach. I really do. And what I tried to create in the program, it's um, you don't need to go into the year-long program of it, but you can just come in and take a class and help deal with your anxiety. We start with a mindfulness meditation, a short one. We end with a heart practice meditation. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we do these patterns of movements, katas, forms, like uh, yoga, where we really work the breath so we can get tools to help modulate ourselves. Mm -hmm. Really, breath work is the only way we can really access the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So give students the ability, or people who are practicing, to actually learn to self-regulate some mm -hmm. of that restless, irritable, and discontentedness, which yes. could be the amygdala turned on. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you could come in episodically, but... This idea of moving through a year's worth, so you get little bracelets like you would at times mm -hmm. you get um, chips. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that while you're healing your trauma, you're doing it in unison, in tribe, in cooperation with these rhythms together. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of a year, uh, be able to start teaching yourself. So that sense of continually working the body. We go in for trauma treatment. It could last, you know, you do six to eight rounds of EMDR. Mm -hmm. Or whatever, but this sense of ongoing healing yeah. in community, which really there's so many aspects in the program, just even learning posture. Posture, mm -hmm. um, good posture promotes resiliency. Mm -hmm. These small things that we don't get in meetings, sure. yeah. these important parts of body healing and... Uh, wellness. Well, Mira, how long does a class go? Like, if I go to a class, is am I committing to an hour? Am I an committing hour. to? Mm -hmm. Okay. And my other question is, what do you say to somebody like me? Because I'm a true confession here. We'll put it all out. I'm not super comfortable with my body. I'm not a yoga guy. I'm not because I see I, I I look at people who do these things. Mm -hmm. I go, well, you know, you're lean and limber, and you can put your That's ankle right. behind your head, and That's you right. know, I can't stand on one leg unless I'm leaning against the ironing board. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so let alone am I gonna <laughs> 
right. you know, exactly. sit cross-legged on a floor for like an extended period of time and put my, you know, yeah. head between my ankles. So, and I know that's not what you're doing. You don't have but, none of that right, pretzel right. stuff, right? So you're right? wondering but, how but, accessible is this but to the yeah, so, so somebody like me is going to, you know, be listening to this and they're going to go, I'm not comfortable with my body. I'm not limber. Um, I might have a, you know, pounder 15 to lose. And <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, a, a way that you're going to talk about doing something physical that's going to totally intimidate me, take me out of my comfort zone, and you're going to tell me that it's going to help my brain and make me feel better, and all I can hear is I'm going to be humiliated. <laughs> and so well, speak to that, please. Well, I understand <laughs> that. I mean, so seriously, we wake up from the days of alcohol or drugs, and then we have this body that we have not inhabited. Uh-huh. And I don't know how yours looked like when you got sober, but mine, I had chunked up to, like, I'd put on like 35 pounds. Yeah. I'm thinking it was late night pizza. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I really can't remember. Uh-huh. So <laughs> when I put the program together, I wanted to do something because really we're just given yoga. Like a lot of people say, just do yoga. Mm-hmm. I couldn't lay and hold those positions. No, I couldn't get in those positions. So when I put together <laughs> the parts of the martial arts from traditional martial arts, it's user friendly mm-hmm. for all body types. Mm-hmm. It doesn't require a lot of cardio. Yeah. You don't have to lay on the ground and do all that stuff. A lot of this stuff is standing up. The stuff we did, yeah. you mm-hmm. could access the sticks pretty easily, it right? It was wonderful, sure. Yeah, My yeah. wife could do that. Right. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I used to do those classes in Connecticut, couples were the biggest sellers. They loved doing this together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The men enjoyed it more than ballroom dancing, but it felt like that to the women. Uh-huh. Yeah. But so, yes, um, and also people who have certain limitations or maybe challenges, mm-hmm. um, figure out a way to work around that. I'm all up for it, but it... Hopefully, people will be willing to give it a chance. Yeah. 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 Well, for those who might be fortunate enough to live within driving range of Nashville, mm-hmm. who might actually be able to show up physically, how would they – tell us a little bit. How would, how would they contact you, and, 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 and how are those out of the area – going to be able to profit from what you are doing? Well, I have yet, I'm just about to roll out classes. I've started some private work with with um, students, okay. but I've really wanted to get into um, a treatment center okay. so we can start getting people in treatment and then facilitating outside of treatment. And okay. I've talked to Cumberland Heights and they were working on it now and they feel that they, w- they will be able to make available um, they're outpatient treatment centers for some of these classes. So we're working on that now. Okay. So yeah. you can look me up on recoverymartialarts.com. Okay. And get in touch with me there. And we will, I will absolutely be starting some classes around in the area in the next month or two. That's awesome. That'll be great. Will you have a, like a little studio or will you have a little, will you just do it? Where will you be uh, working from? First, I want to see who was most interested in, um, in the program, yeah. Mm-hmm. I also am looking to partner up as a service opportunity with. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to Mending Hearts and um, Next Door. Yeah. Uh, so really getting those facilities in place first, and then perhaps using those, and then as people come out into regular recovery, mm-hmm. um, getting some local okay. areas. Yeah. I would get my own studio. Yeah. But okay. I haven't done that yet. I want to see more so where the, the flow of students would be coming from. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be a cheerleader. I really am. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's I'm, very cool. I'm, I'm, I'm cooking with ideas already. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Next Samson retreat. There you go. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. I know you want to do sticks after, don't you? I do. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, Mara, <laughs> what a wonderful conversation this has been. Thank you so much for taking the time and making the effort to come down here and talk with Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Uh, I know we're going to get a great response from this episode. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Thank well, you so much. Thank you so much for considering me and helping me pass along all those things that the people before me mm. in the rooms mm -hmm. and the healers around the rooms, mm -hmm. all these amazing people who have taken so much time to study and help us learn mm -hmm. that we can, like that first wave when Bill and Bob, we mm -hmm. can just keep letting those ripples of healing. Right. There thank you is. for right. being part of that with me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Stick with us, listeners. We'll be back in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And Nate, um, Mara, uh, just, uh, she just, I could have talked to her for another two hours. Yeah. Um, just absolutely had so much wisdom, insight, experience, and I, I don't got to tell you the pre the pre podcast recording of <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was sort of like a, a an Asian sword fight, but it really was not. It was the most fascinating experience watching you and Mara uh, do the uh, yeah. Korean fighting sticks. Yeah, this is where I almost wish that we had a video podcast. Absolutely, I will post some pictures because okay. I, I took I had. I did take a couple of pictures <laughs> while you were being the brave uh, guinea pig to experience that. And, uh, you know, once I, uh, once I take her up on a, um, on a visit to yeah. her, uh, to her studio, uh, I, I will, I will experience that too. You know, and, and she said afterwards that there were, gosh, so many things that she meant to say, wanted to say that didn't get to say, uh -huh. uh, tells me. We're going to have, she's going to have, like KK, we're yeah. going to have to have her back. Yeah, I think she'll be our, our, um, our repeat visit from yeah. the, uh, the, from the Zen side. Yeah. So. And by the way, listeners, we're, we're going to take requests for other guests of the podcast in previous episodes. We've got more than 50 in the can now. Mm -hmm. If there's another guest that you would really like to hear from again, mm -hmm. uh, Shoot us a note at positive sobriety podcast at gmail.com. If you have a specific uh, question you would like that guest to uh, answer or a story you'd like to, them to elaborate on, right. be as specific as you want, and we will follow up. Absolutely. And topics as well that you guys would like to hear addressed. And yeah. we will uh, scour the earth and try to find the person that might best address that subject for us. Okay. Um, because uh, I, I'm excited because when I looked on our on our log uh, the other day, you know, we've got over 50 episodes now. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, we're we're like that's that's. And as I look ahead, you're filling the calendar with more fascinating guests. You're gonna, it's going to be a good year ahead. There are some great people um, doing some great things all over the country, around the world. And thank goodness with, you know, technology, we can visit just about all of them. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, probably, go, by the way, going to have to do that next week. I'm going to be once again on the road, <laughs> but we'll figure it out. You'll will you be in Colorado again or will you be in a... Uh, I, I think I will be in Michigan. Oh well, okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna cry too hard over that. <laughs> Nothing against Michigan. I love you guys, but uh, it's cold up there it's right now. It's cold up so. there this time of year. Yeah, 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 you could have that. Well, uh, until next week, then. I'm Nate. I'm David. We're your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. 
live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 